Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast. Curb, how are you? Just trying to wake up after that snooze fest yesterday. How about you? Well, we're going to dive into all those things, Curb. Lots to talk about in uh, the wake of the uh, Nashville Grand Prix. At least for me, Curb, I, I, I kind of watched it and didn't know what to think at the end. When I feel that way, I know I can call you and help you know, mold my thoughts into a more coherent train of thinking. Well, I, uh, my overriding thought is that I hope the papers in Nashville would be kind to the race on Monday morning. Because uh, they did not look like the world's best drivers or close to it uh, on many occasions yesterday. Okay, I, I'm just going to say to start off with that I actually didn't think the race was that bad. I, I think this you and I are going to be coming at this from slightly different angles. Although I think I'm hoping in the end, you know, we're going to have a little kumbaya and kind of come to agreement on certain parts of this. I noted uh, Sebastian Bourdais... Uh, didn't hang around for the end of the race and took a quick flight home. Um, do you think he was doing that so he could hang himself um, earlier uh, than having to wait till the end of it? Because the guy has to be, you know, come Monday morning, he had to just be there with his jaw on the ground saying what happened there. Yeah, that guy, if he has any luck at all this year, it's been all bad luck. And he watches the guy that flew over the top of his car win the race. <laughs> it's just, it's incredible, right? I mean, right. clearly Erickson's folly. I love the interview with uh, Bourdais where, you know, he started speaking French. I don't know if you noticed that. Did you see that? Well, I think it was a commonly used American word of French descent. But <laughs> well, whatever you want to call French it, the, but, the uh, French word, I believe it's called, uh, they, they pronounce it a douche. Um, he, uh, he used the term douche uh, very well, um, right. as you would expect, being, an, uh, being his native tongue. Wow. I've said it before. I mean, Bourdais is one of my favorite drivers, but I mean, watching him be run into in the first lap or two of a race from behind three times now is just it's getting painful and of course again it didn't make any car look too sharp either and did you notice they show his car fly over the top of of bourdais they show both those car wounded cars scraping along sparks flying and parts falling over the track and then they show the around the curve where the start finish line is and they're waving the green flag vigorously yeah i did see that that was, like, was amazing. It was like Barnhart was running the show again or something. It was just uh, maybe we'll get lucky and the non-hardcore IndyCar fans of Nashville that are experiencing it for the first time won't be quite so harsh. First half of the race was just awful. Well, let's try to unpack some of it, Curb. And I think, you know, obviously there's going to be others out there unpacking a lot of it for us. I think we should probably stick to the things that, that, that you and I thought were kind of noteworthy, right? Um, right. Rather than some of the obvious stuff. You know what the important thing is? What's? We're not starting with Formula One this week. It's going to be a Formula One free zone. Could be. I, I've got nothing on my agenda that indicates that we're going that direction. Kerb, I don't think Ryan Hunter Ray and uh, Mr. Hinchcliffe should be too proud of their finish for a couple of reasons. And bear with me on this. Um, right. One is, I don't think anybody in that race could say, you know, I earned this or I earned that. I mean, it was just so random. I don't really feel like anybody in that race could say, 
you know, put their hand up and say, look what a great job I did. So that's one thing I would say for that. And the other thing I would say for that is that when those two had heard it behind them, he made extremely quick work of them. And and I I was watching that. And even though they both had good results, I kind of came to the conclusion that maybe it was time for both of them to be looking at sports cars or sports cars for Ryan Hunter Ray and Hinch into the commentary booth. What do you think? I had that feeling for quite some time. I, even even worse for them is that uh, I could not detect in any way that they were letting their teammate by. To be fair, Herta, uh, every time they do a restart, he'd pull out a second and a half a lap. It was just remarkable. There was about 15 or 20 laps there of compelling racing at the front, and Erickson, uh, you know, Drove very, very well there to hold off Herta. You know, Herta not, Herta not only blew the doors off of Hinch and Hunter Ray, he blew the doors off of Dixon the following lap. You know, nobody's going to say Dixon's ready to go out to pasture yet. Absolutely. But beyond that, but beyond that, you're right. It was like uh, somebody took a cup of numbers and threw them up in the air and they landed on the ground and, and people kind of found themselves where they found themselves. You know, the only exception to that rule really might be Dixon who, started second and finished second. He's the, he's the quintessential lurker, Curb. Where we're seeing, starting to see some cracks in some of these veterans' games. Uh, we were talking about earlier in the year that maybe we were starting to see some cracks in Dixon's game, but I got to tell you, pretty good race on his part. When you start poking the bear at uh, willpower or something like that, I guess, and uh, leave Dixon alone. Curb, I'm going to address a rather delicate subject here, I think. All right. Gird yourself. <laughs> yes. Are you girding? I'm, I'm holding on to both arms of my chair. Tony Cotman. The much admired and beloved Tony Cotman. Yeah, I think you've always accused uh, of uh, like people like Mike Hall and Scott Dixon being anointed once, right? right. Um, I, I'm going to put Tony Cotman kind of in that same list. You know, the great road course designer, street course designer, Tony Cotman. I think it would be horribly Monday morning quarterbacking to just blame him for bad course, bad this, bad, you know, you know, I I think that would be a bit too much, but you know, he designed Edmonton. He designed Baltimore. Mm -hmm. He designed, I believe one of the ones in Brazil. Uh, He certainly had seen the Vegas uh, street course. If you remember that, right. Uh Uh-huh. And lo and behold, in in all these situations, with the possible exception of Edmonton, there's always some kind of problem with bumps, right? Like it, in Baltimore, if you recall, it was trolley tracks, I believe. Right. Yeah. That they ended up having to throw a chicane into the, the mix. When does a course designer not learn that sudden transitions in IndyCar's don't really work. And maybe after four or five, five tries, not two or three, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I did uh, drive that track on my way down to uh, Barber back in the Twisted my wife's arm, and we drove over to the stadium and, and drove. Did you guys party all night? We did not. No, we did not. <laughs> yeah, we drove over there and, and, and kind of drove around as well as I could imagine what the track was from what I'd seen. I can tell you those roads were in horrible shape. He must have designed the track based on the assumption that they would do a lot of repaving and smooth things out. They did a good job because I'm telling you, a lot of those streets were horrible shape. I couldn't imagine them racing on them when I drove through there. 
the, where they transitioned from the bridge to the street. Yes. And that was the big bump. And they did try to grind it down, I guess. Hunter Ray was interviewed during qualifying on, on Saturday, and he said, well, I appreciate their efforts, but it really didn't make that much of a difference. Kirby, how did you feel about, like, the tight sections? You and I, I don't think, know what the restrictions are as far as, like, how wide they could make those various sections. Um, you know, it's a street race, and you're going to have some tight sections a lot of times. I just don't understand the uh, compulsion to have your restart. You, know, you start the race coming off the bridge where there's plenty of room for the cars to speed up and spread out and, and try to pass each other, what have you. And there's plenty of room coming out of that tight section on the other side to get lined up and ready for the restart. For the restarts, they run them down into that tight section, maybe not even half the field has made that turn and seen the green flag and is racing. So the guys that are back around the curve and back, they hear green, green, and they punch it. You're just asking for trouble, which obviously they found more than once. Uh, All right, Erickson. If the, if the, well, Erickson, willpower, um, that whole red flag situation. You know, if the old adage that uh, they like to trot out there all the time is yellows breed yellows, then sticking all those guys in that little concrete canyon with those tight turns um, for yellow flag restarts is just asking for it, and that's what they got. So yeah, I, just, I, I, I thought that was I, a bad decision. I agree with that. I think it, that was asinine, and they need to fix that next year. And, and the start of the race was... I realized there was a first lap incident, but the start race was, in essence, okay. Yeah, you know, I think Herta was predicting mayhem going into that, uh, you know, coming off of that start and into the tight section, and it really didn't happen. I think I think Ray Charles could see that that needs to be fixed for next year. Uh, I don't know what the physical restrictions are there, but that, those tight sections are begging for trouble, right, where you can't. Well, they, they that wasn't, I mean, they, they poured that road. There wasn't even a road there. Um, for you know two months ago they they and i don't know why they had to make that such a i don't know if they're trying to create a passing zone or what but why they made it such a hard turn left you know 90 degree left and then 90 degree right and hopefully you're not going to bump into the guy coming out of the pits if it's a you know green flag situation so i don't know why they couldn't open that up a little bit i tried to look during the race it looked like there wasn't anything keeping them from maybe opening that up a little bit and making it not such a hard um, square turn there those are a couple I think obvious things to me that stood out. I, I've read some articles today where they think they have flexibility on the downtown side of the bridge. There's a lot of good in that course. I mean, I actually love that bridge, that that view of the bridge, like cars going both ways. That's very cool. Right. And Kerb, is it too much to ask, or is it is it a bridge too far? Part of the pun. Mm-hmm. Um, to have Ashley Judd and Dario be the co uh, grand marshal of the race? Yes, that'd be a bridge too far. I mean, she is the true tide in Nashville, not Dario, right? I mean, they were married and in love at one point, um, but she's the true tie. So, wasn't it a bit of a snub on her, the ex-wife, uh, to not uh, to not be there, kind of holding hands with Dario as they asked the drivers to start their engines? Well, considering how devoted she was during his career and his convalescence from his uh, accident there in Houston, you might be onto something. Um, would have been a would have been a sweet moment for everybody, wouldn't it? It would have been a good point to get her uh, various causes that she gets behind. Um, you know, a little exposure for them. Like, weren't the PETA people, the people for ethical treatment? They were being nude, right? 
um, uh, that was that was one of the ways they were getting attention for their cause. Um, was that, maybe was that, was that one of her causes? I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm making an assumption here, but um, I think it maybe might have been. It seems to be of that ilk. Let's put it that way, right? Perhaps Ashley naked holding hands with Dario as they announced the drivers to start their engines would have been impactful. I don't or know, is, guy, am I just uh, crazy? The guys uh, behind the cars with the starters might have uh, been distracted and not uh, got the job done. I don't know. I think but, she was uh, running for a, a political office at some point, too, wasn't she, Curb? So, I mean, so, exposure, yeah. uh, whether it's exposure of her flesh or just exposure in general, was probably something she was probably looking for. I'm wondering if she's feeling a bit snubbed come Monday morning. <clears throat> um, well, it's uh, fun to speculate, but I'm guessing not. Curb, it sounds like you've got a little bit of bone to pick, or at least a scab you need to pull away about Mr. Power. I wonder what Newgarden did to uh, not get hit by Power like his other two teammates did. Uh, he got inside of Pagno, and then he couldn't make the turn around that turn, and they both drove straight ahead into the wall. And then everybody, of course, stacked up. Townsend Bell was trying to give Power the the benefit of the doubt and maybe cast some fault on uh, Pagno, but it was a pretty optimistic move by Power. And the second one where he took out McLaughlin wasn't even close. Yeah, that was that was pretty ridiculous. Who does Scott Dixon mean when he says, yes, there were some incidents from the usual suspects? Who was he referring to? Well, you got uh, you got power, right? You got uh, a ward on Rossi. You got Grosjean on somebody. I forget who. Didn't Dixon take out power, though, in uh, mid-Ohio? Well, you, you could look at it that way if you want I do. To, yeah. I do. He referred to it being the regulars, too, right? He didn't refer to it being rookies or anything. He had to have somebody in mind when he said that. I'm sure of it. Well, it couldn't have been Marcus Harrison, could it? His, his stalwart teammate. Uh, I'm going to go with power if you want to. That's a pretty big statement, uh, given what happened in mid-Ohio, in my opinion. I'll grant you mid-Ohio, but power's guilty of plenty of boneheaded moves over the last few years. Agreed. But I think... The difference between this year and years previous is powers up there bagging poles and say mm-hmm. what you want. Years being previous. Able to, years previous, right. Um, and say what you want. Bagging poles is what helps you keep jobs because it puts your right. team in the game. And if you're going to be a mid-pack qualifier, I mean, I think Simon Pagano is a great example of this, right? I mean, he's a guy, he's like race day, he's he's – you know, he's outperforming power, I, I would guess. He's not out there bagging poles. And I think it, it, you can see it in power season. He's been nowhere for the most part and um, qualifying. Now, the averaging start is 10.8. His average finish is 13.3. So I'm Pagano, sorry, you said uh, power's average is 10.8? Starting position. I thought you were talking about Pat. What's Pagano? Pagano is 10.5. You're kidding me. I mean, if you look, power is barely averaging inside the fast 12 from that that's position. A stunning, you, that's a stunning t- statistic. But you want to hear the real shocker. The impressive uh, the impressive part of this equation is Colton Herta average of starting position 4.3. Number one in the series. Number two is Newgarden at 6.4. However, average finishing position for Colton Herta, 11.9. Curb, um. Were you grateful to see that there was an article about uh, how they preventing cars from falling into the river? Uh, well, it was obviously uh, thought about a lot, and um, they had every base covered because 
There must have been countless articles and countless TV commentaries about it, and to the point where you're damn sick of hearing about it, weren't you? Damn right. God. It was like, what a stupid thing to, I mean, I guess it's something to talk about, but God, there's something better to talk about. Here's what's better to talk about. Did you see the public surface announcements in Racer.com today? With regard to? Uh, Three drivers got a shout out about their wonderful finishes yesterday in the midst of horrible seasons. Just happened to be three drivers that are known to be out of a job at the end of the season. Uh, Uh, Any reference to Oliver Askew in any of that? (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not see any. These were were all positive articles trumpeting the three drivers, Hunter Ray, uh, Hinchcliffe, and Jones. And and I think none of them, like I said at the beginning of the show, should be too too proud. I mean, if anything, it convinced me more than ever that maybe it's time. I don't disagree, but uh, Rosenquist got the reassurance over the weekend that he's uh, safe for next year, so no article Correct. needed for him, uh, just those other three. <laughs> so. Good point. Yeah, Rosenquist is an interesting one. Um, they're going to give him another year to sort it out. Give McLaren a bit of credit on that, I think. Now, what is now going to be McLaren, let's face it. And maybe he can. You know, I mean, it was a fairly impressive weekend for him overall, I'd say. Corb, um, I'd like to hear uh, your comments on the leader circle, current standings in it. Uh, your observations, your keen insight into this uh, almost secret society race to not be on the bottom. Well, uh, the aforementioned uh, drivers like uh, Jones, Hinchcliffe, Hunter Ray, you know, even Ferrucci in 11th place with his uh, only sixth is is in uh, ninth is in 21st place. He's got a six point cushion on 22nd place. You know, Jimmy Johnson's uh, continued that car slide in the leader circle standings. They are now the he wrecked, 22nd. He wrecked three cars over the weekend, Curb. Well, he did. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, again, that one on Saturday, on Sunday in the race, I'm not sure it was his fault. But uh, the other two well, certainly. The other two, uh, he had nobody else to point the finger at. And um, but he handled himself pretty well when he was interviewed on TV. And no, uh, he's remarkable. Right. Great job. I mean, jeez. Uh, so yeah, he's what he's he's 23rd now. No, they're 22nd. Uh, they're in the they're in the last uh, spot for leader circle, assuming that it's 22 again. But you know they've averaged uh, I think seven points over the last five races, so uh, they've been in a slow slide since the 500. Uh, Rosenquist with his 24 points, Castro Nevis 22 points are in 23rd and 24th. Uh, Rosenquist is 10 points out of the last spot, and uh, Castro Nevis. Is 15 points out of the last spot. So but, they, they have a very good chance, I think, of moving up, right? Well, I mean, they got to fight each other for uh, the opportunity to pass uh, Johnson slash Canon, the 48 car. Ferrucci, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan sitting there in 21st spot uh, with a six-point cushion. I think they're really taking a chance by bringing a Euro over that's never raced an IndyCar before and throwing him in uh, at the Indy GP this week. You know, it may be that the money... The Euro could bring over to fund the cars uh, makes the leader circle money insignificant. But Ed Jones uh, really helped himself out with 28 points, I think, uh, last week. He was in the 22nd spot. He jumped up to 20th and now is a 13-point cushion on the Johnson uh, Canon entry. Uh, Bourdais slides back further. He's getting into danger here a little bit. He's 19th with a 20-point cushion. 
Hinch and Hunter Ray helped themselves out quite a bit. Give me the bottom. Year. Give me the bottom three, Kerb. Uh, well, there's 26 regulars this year. Kellett is in 26 with 102 points. Chilton and da- Chilton, which Daly has driven a couple times, 104 points. So those guys are 36 and 38 points out of the last qualifying position. Then Castor Nevis, 24th, 15 points behind. Uh, Rosenquist, 23rd, 10 points behind. Johnson slash Canaan are on the bubble. And uh, Ferrucci, the Liberty Hall Letterman Lanigan entry, 21st with a six-point cushion. And Jones, 20th with a 13-point cushion. Uh, Rosenquist is the most likely to kind of quickly get out of get out of there, get out of the cellar. Jimmy Johnson's got to get on it. All right, well, interesting update. Not that uh, IndyCar even bothers to let us know. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to keep this chart myself because you could never find it. That's uh, just pathetic. I don't know if you saw the news, but uh, Bob Jenkins passed away today. Oh, and, I did not uh, see that. I think we want to pass along our condolences to, to Bob Jenkins and his family and friends. He, uh, His wife uh, was taken by cancer uh, four or five years ago, I think, and now he's been taken by cancer as well. So our condolences to, to yes. Jenkins, family and friends. R.I.P. Sorry to hear that. On a positive note, uh, I don't know if you saw the qualifying show on Saturday. I think uh, Rob Miller uh, voiced a, a segment uh, for NBC on uh, the broadcast on Saturday. I did. I assume that was pre-recorded. Well, it was pre-recorded. Um, but I mean, since, he, he's, since he's returned back to relative health, I guess. Yeah, so and he's written two. He wrote two articles. Yeah, and a mailbag uh, coming this week. So uh, wow. So uh, good to see him back in the saddle. Let's not uh, let's not let's not count Robin out of the journalism just yet. Back to the uh, good old Indy GP race course uh, this weekend in the big IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader weekend. Let's uh, before we wrap up here, let's do our picks for the Indy GP. What's this like the 50th time we've been back there? Uh, yeah, it seems like it. Um, I will let you go first, Curb. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with Herta. Okay, there we go. The Redemption Tour go. begins. I'm going to go with uh, New Garden. Uh, Dixon. This is becoming very rote, Curb. Mr. Mr. Slow but steady. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll do, uh, let me see here. Rossi. There Rossi. You there you go. Yeah. And you'll take pa. Uh, Mr. Palau. Palau, yes. See how Although, quickly that goes at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you have, you have a chance to shake it up here with the last uh, pick. I, I can't, in good conscience, pick her uh, power at this point. It is hard. I'm trying to think who's an ace on that course off the top of my head. Well, who, who scored the pole back in May? Groshan? Yeah. Yeah, hey, I guess course, he did. Of course, he was outrun by uh, BK. Where I can mess with your head and say, who has scored the most points since the Indy 500? Uh, tell me. Marcus Erickson. Wow. I'm going to go gross, Gene. There you like go. Gross Gene. Um, I think for you you punters out there, if Gross Gene's going off at high odds, that might not be a bad pick, especially for the top three bet. Throw uh throw VK in there too if they're uh 
They're yep. discounting him based on his recent form. 100% agree with that, too. I think that the, those are your two uh, maybe higher odds, uh, not a bad pick, especially for the top three bet. Right. Right, Kurt, we've done our public service. You heard it here first. Yep, we've done our public service. So uh, for all you out there, uh, please uh, follow us on uh, Twitter, which our newfound Twitter handle, which is at Hero IndyCar, which is H-I-R-O IndyCar, at Hero IndyCar. At Hero IndyCar. All right, Curb. Have a good week, everybody. Enjoy the races.